welcome to the Near Memo, our conversation about the uh, important developments of the week and beyond. Um, I'm here with Mike Blumenthal and David Mim, my co-conspirators, collaborators, and we're excited to be bringing you our second conversation. Anything you guys want to say before we jump in? Okay. All right. Well, David, let's, Mim, let's, let's go for kick it off with you. <laughs> All okay. right. So uh, we typically do, you know, one, one piece that caught uh, each of our eyes this past, past week. So the one that, uh, that caught my eye the most actually just came out the other day. Um, the great, amazing Barry Schwartz, who I don't know how he has time to cover everything he does, uh, wrote up on search engine land um, that Google is now introducing uh, messaging inside the desktop GMB dashboard, um, which I think is a, you know, sort of continuing the, the fairly obvious uh, march towards the, um, I would say, pr uh, whatever the word for primariness of messaging is uh, for Google in, inside, of, inside of GMB. Um, it's clearly something that customers want. I can certainly speak to that. I, I never want to pick up the phone to talk to any business. Um, I think it's a, you know, Google Google reacting to customer demand, consumer demand. I am a little bit skeptical that it's um, going to be successful uh, inside of GMB. Um, Google has, has not really ever had great success in getting businesses to sort of be permanently logged into the GMB dashboard. I think it's not, it has never reached the same sort of always on level that Facebook and Instagram have for a lot of businesses. Um, and so I, I do worry that this is gonna lead to a sort of conflict of expectations versus reality uh, with respect to consumers and, and how regularly and actively business, uh, small businesses in particular are able to respond to messages within GMB. So that's- I I think you're. I think you're exactly right. I mean, let's separate the bigger messaging opportunity, demand for messaging, uh, as a tool for businesses and consumers from this particular implementation. I, I I would agree that Google is being sort of coercive in the same way that it sort of had to. It brought messaging into the GMB app. It's tr trying to force businesses to use its tool, and I think that that's counterproductive because it's sort of contrary to the way, as you're saying, that, that people actually operate. They would do much better to facilitate messaging, you know, to people's phones as opposed exactly. to, you know. Yeah, connect, connect your phone number to get SMS messages from customers and, you know, be able to respond to right. so, multi, multiple threads, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so they did have that feature. That was what got canceled. In the, in the beginning. In the beginning. Right. But what's interesting to me about this particular incarnation is that it's part and parcel of a much larger messaging strategy on the part of Google, which is the first time we've seen sort of consolidated efforts on all pulling on the same oar in terms of the underlying uh, technology they're using. And, and, to, they released the API to this feature uh, last December. So while it is sort of it, it, one more surface that very small businesses may need to interact with, it does have the possibility of moving into other dashboards uh, like uh, Leadferno has plans, for example, to integrate this into their messaging dashboard so that businesses will be able to consolidate, which to me is the critical issue. It's is having a single place where a business can communicate with users 
And, uh, you know, the problem is Messenger and SMS and your phone and, and Google My Business and all these others. And so you have to view one, the API in the context of them having the most viewed service, which is the business profile. And I think in, if, if uh, enough, enough dashboards come to the fore that small businesses can afford and use, I think you'll see it become uh, a viable communication channel. Well, I mean, isn't that, a, isn't that some SaaS opportunity for somebody to consolidate all the well, there's there's a lot of companies doing that, and yeah. that's the that's the direction that Lead Ferno is taking. Aaron Wykey's new company, and uh, where he's attempting to do that. Yeah, I, I would I would say that there's uh, I agree with you, Mike. I think the long term uh, SaaS prospects for Lead Ferno and others like it uh, are are quite strong. Um, I would argue that there's a really uh, really easy agency service add-on here, uh, which is if this truly is available through the API, uh, is there a way to hook up a zap to an SMS uh, in the meantime uh, before anybody yeah. gets <laughs> too yeah. far down the SaaS path? Um, it's a really easy add-on for an agency to say, yeah, let us, let us enable text messages from Google to your phone. Uh, it takes 10 minutes to set up and Assuming that the API is, you know, is enabled through Zapier, so and it's and I don't know that it's bidirectional. I'm not sure. I, I I don't know the API that well. The other area about SMS that strikes me is having used it to communicate with businesses and having received unsolicited promotions, is that it's viewed at least by me as the most private social network I have. This is where I communicate to my dearest friends, closest family members, and it is to some extent sacrosanct. Uh, and and when I do get an unsolicited promotional message, I am annoyed. I yeah, totally. First, I think that, I think this is a big risk for SMS uh, related communication. Is that businesses that mishandle it really risk screwing up their their opportunity and, and alienating you in a way that email uh, does not. My my question though, and maybe um, you know, you guys have a sense of this. Maybe Mike, because you've been in the space. What, what do you think this is going to do to enterprises? I mean, do you think do you think Google's going to condition people? You know, as this sort of gets more gains more more momentum, condition people to expect uh, that they can they can text uh, enterprises and that enterprises aren't going to be able to really respond in the way that consumers want. I mean, this is sort of a problem with responding to reviews by location or Q and A. You know, so enterprises are just getting on the uh, managing reviews and responding to reviews bandwagon. Last year, we've seen a lot of uptake. Last eighteen months, and a lot of interest uh, now in that. So they are definitely behind. But I think once they get on the review response bandwagon, then an SMS response isn't far behind. It's a very similar process, similar consolidated dashboard. It is a SaaS opportunity. And I think that, or a internal opportunity, as David pointed out, it's not rocket science. Um, but I think that there, that this will follow quickly on the heels of review responses, which they're just now getting acclimatized to. I, I think and I would say that I was just going to say, Greg. There's a, you know, there's already the, the good, the 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 good customer focused enterprises already have a you know pretty good triaging system in place with Twitter and Facebook uh, messaging yeah. through brand pages. So uh, yeah. I see this as just a, an additional channel that 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 sort of pulls into that same bucket. 
Yep. Let's move on to um, to your to your item, uh, Mike, that you wrote yesterday that you wanted to talk about about the the ordering and uh, e-commerce. Sure. So, with the change of the Google, the redesign of the mobile user experience by Google, we're seeing a large number of tests in the local space, both on uh, keyword searches as well as brand searches, and a number of changed uh, interface elements around reputation. One that I spotted this past week is an e-commerce and uh, shopping panel, or I'm not sure if they're not really cards anymore, although they're sort of cards, where Google is, in, when you do a local uh, search that is very intent driven, liking vintage engagement rings or unique engagement rings in Buffalo, we're seeing a card that includes e-commerce stores, but not national e-commerce stores, local e-commerce stores, uh, which is interesting on both the technical front uh, that Google is identifying e-commerce stores that are part and parcel of a jewelry website as purely local in nature. And it's interesting that Google is surfacing them. Clearly it's a test and this test exists fairly low. We have to scroll two or three screens to get to it. Um, but, and interestingly, I've discovered during the day yesterday that it, it seems to respond to open hours. So if a business closes or has closing, noted closing hours, sometimes these disappear. Um, it did bring uh, a few national brands in, although they seem to typically have some local presence, like their national brands itself are local, local jewelry stores. So it's a, it, as we've seen over the past three, four years, Google is moving local very aggressively into a transactional space. And as we've seen over the past year, with products, they see local as their entree into the world of selling products, sort of as a surface to present all the products that are out there. And this local play is where they are strongest vis-a-vis uh, -vis both Walmart and uh, Amazon. And I see this as part of a long-term trend that we've seen at Google. First, I think the initial was their acquisition of Pointy, which allowed very small businesses to create online inventory through this through checkout. Uh, we also saw that they made product uploads free. This harkens back to 2008 and the era of Frugal, for those of you who have long memories. Uh, and the increasing use of these calls to action in the uh, dashboard um, and the, uh, the recent alignment with Shopify where Shopify shops can automatically upload their inventory in real time to Google. So Google is moving towards this world in which a world of entities of businesses of that, that are, you know, uh, in specific categories, they're attempting to get more and more granular information that relates to that category. In the case of jewelry, it looks like they're looking to understand not just what they sell, but specific models and to make that available. Uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. So good, good, good. Uh, so you can read Mike's article on, on the site on uh, nearme.co. Um, there are two things that are interesting to me about this. I mean, one, I think Google is trying to, to offer this, this holistic 
uh, e-commerce local store inventory kind of approach. You know, we're seeing that um, both with enterprises in the merchant feed and then with Pointy and them trying to sort of enable uh, product inventory distribution online for small businesses. But the, the, this term, um, you know, that, that shows up in your article, local e-commerce is, is really interesting to me because it's, it sort of sounds like an oxymoron, but it's really not. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the surveys that showed up in uh, last year about consumers wanting to support local businesses, but at doing much more shopping online, this is, this is very consistent with it. So Google, I think, wants to, wants to, wants to give people options to buy online from businesses in their communities, uh, as well as just direct people to, to, to the stores. And I think it's very consistent with you know, e broader e-commerce trends in general. You know, e we're not gonna fall back to where things were before uh, COVID-19 started. So there's gonna be a lot more e-commerce and, and Google wants to help local businesses get in on that. And um, there was also a piece uh, on, a, on a company called uh, uh, near, near, Nearby, which is trying to do that. Um, uh, but that's another discussion. David, what are your your thoughts on? Uh, yeah, on no, this? I agree with a lot of yeah, I agree with what a lot of what Mike wrote and said um, in terms of Google's positioning against Amazon and um, and even Facebook. Right, Facebook has tried this sort of local marketplace thing, which I don't think has really uh, at least it, hasn't been it, talked about very much. It's it's uh, been pretty. It's, it's been gone. Yeah. It's been pretty successful for them, but but not a breakout. Right. Um, so I just think it's a, it is a really strong place for Google. I would just, I'll add one sort of fringe comment, uh, which yes, Google and Shopify have, you know, tried, uh, tried to make this sort of frictionless, um, you know, connection between Shopify and Google. I don't think it works very well for very small businesses. I have to say, I, I actually have tried to set it up, uh, for a number of, um, Prosper Portland clients, uh, in the last six months and just the account creation uh, rigmarole to get set up with Merchant Center, um, if you're not already in it, uh, is really a pain in the butt uh, when you're coming from Shopify and you expect to just click a button and have everything done. So um, I still think it requires, um, you know, even I, I would consider myself in when it comes to GMB type things, uh, relative expert, uh, I still think it, it's going to require a relative uh, expert to help a lot of these small businesses make that quote unquote frictionless connection. So still, still plenty of opportunity for uh, service providers in this space. I would add two more comments. One is that I discovered a similar but different card available in restaurants where restaurants that are uh, using either third party or Google's own food ordering platform uh, to be shown in a similar but more uh, local looking panel to, to order. And this demonstrates two things about Google. One is that they're gonna customize this functionality per category, per industry which they've been doing in, in the knowledge graph for a long. And two, that when the opportunity is big enough, they're gonna build their own backend platform like they are doing with this food ordering program, um, which is very difficult to track down the details of. I've tried to get to the bottom of the food ordering program, which is a Google front, Google sort of payment processing and order entry environment. And I haven't really, been able to quite wrap my head around it. 
but it's two trends that are typical Google segment by market and then build out where it's really a good opportunity for them. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some antitrust stuff there that we could talk about. I think, you know, about Google just, you know, there's a lot of third party to third party platforms that would be displaced pretty quickly. Um, you know, if Google were to aggressively roll out its own, its own uh, food ordering tools, which, you know, the company I think is inclined to do. Um, yeah, they, they, they bought one. Yeah. The, yeah. The ordering yeah. app. So. Right. Exactly. So in, 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 for my sort of time here, um, you know, it was, it was kind of a tough call for me because there were, there were a bunch of items this week that are, that were pretty interesting. Um, and a couple of things that I'll be talking about today in the newsletter that ha we haven't uh, put out yet. But I, I, I was really struck by this survey that was done um, uh, about privacy uh, inertia uh, or so-called privacy inertia. The, the, idea, the idea is that people care about privacy overwhelmingly. You know, surveys show that consumers care about privacy. They're increasingly concerned about it. Um, but then there's the, like the inability to do anything about it or the, or the, the, the lack of action to, to take, to, to protect themselves. And there've been a number of surveys that have reinforced that idea. Um, and one of the things that's so fascinating to me about the, uh, Apple, um, app tracking transparency initiative, where you have to opt in to tracking is that it's really the first time that people can express their privacy concern with a single click and, and, and have it be effective. Um, it's, it's very easy to understand. And the burden is really on the, um, the, the developer or the publisher to overcome the, 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 the consumer's concern there, you know, like Facebook is trying to do with their, their language on their own, on their own app. You want to, you want to allow tracking because um, we'll give you personalized ads and, because uh, you care about small businesses. And because you care about <laughs> small on. businesses, exactly, exactly. So, so that was really interesting to me. Um, and, and I think it's really right is that is the consistency people, consistently people express concern, but then it's too cumbersome or too complex for them to do anything about it. Absolutely, I have a little anecdote. My wife expects deep concern about Google's spying or tracking whatever and Facebook's. And so I said, oh, all you need to do is go into private browsing and use DuckDuckGo. And, you know, here's a few other settings to limit ads. And she literally, had, and she's reasonably savvy, I mean, and she had no idea what I was talking about. I had to literally take her phone, set it up, change the default browser, go default to private mode browsing, turn off the tracking and since then, she's been very happy and uh, feels more comfortable. But it really was a huge, everything, all those were not defaults. Private browsing, ad tracking, uh, DuckDuckGo, those, none of those were defaults. The defaults were on their iPhone, Google, ad tracking was on, and uh, non-private browsing. So clearly there's room for improvement even beyond what Apple is doing both with location and with ad tracking to things like private browsing by default or a different uh, search engine by default, which maybe Google, Apple would be the search engine, but there are other things they could do that would dramatically, so that people had to opt out of privacy rather than opt in. 
Nothing to add, David. I don't have much to add to this other than, uh, you know, as president of the uh, Tinfoil Hat Society, I <laughs> thoroughly endorse um, what Apple's doing. And and uh, I actually have made a pretty good effort thus far to switch over to Safari for my own uh, browsing away from Chrome. Um, you know, it hasn't been a it hasn't been a huge concern to me, but I feel like um, <laughs> The easier the easier it gets, um, I think that the you know the the less I'll use Google products to uh, to do anything on the internet. So the, the thing that keeps me using Chrome is the uh, password. Uh, Firefox has this too, but password uh, saving uh, feature and also the form fill feature. Um, just the combination of those keeps me on Chrome. Um, you know, Safari has it too to some degree, but. Uh, everything is sort of in Chrome, and so even though intellectually, you know, I'm 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 a I'm guilty here. Also, uh, I, I I understand all this. I'm still using I'm still using Chrome. You know, I, I'll say I'll say one thing, um, sort of before we wrap. You know, consumers do care about personalization. They do care about relevant content, but they don't want that at the expense of privacy. And one of the industry's big challenges really is to is to reconcile those two things. I mean, I think one alternative way, I was gonna write a post on this and I haven't yet, one alternative way to think about personalization is, is, is convenience, right? Sort of better customer experience and convenience, not necessarily super one-to-one targeted messaging, right? That, that, that the industry thinks about as personalization, but, but giving people convenience and a better experience overall is a kind of an alternative mode to this whole personalization kind of mania that people are are preoccupied with. So I, I would I think that's a great point, Greg. I think that there's a there is an appetite for personalization in um, in CX. There is not an appetite in my mind anyway. There's not an appetite for personalization in advertising, right? Um, if I'm the one in control of having the conversation with a the company, then yes, I'm happy for. I'm happy for them to see my order history when they're talking to me, so they know what I'm talking about. You know, in my in my query, uh, but well, I don't. That doesn't mean I, that doesn't mean I want to see, you know, eighteen ads for a product I just viewed that I have actually no interest in buying. So I mean, search is a is a personalized advertising environment, right? Because you're making the you're making the query, and then the ads can respond to it. So that's sort of a, a privacy proof in a certain way, notwithstanding sort of the effort to take search data and use it and mix it in with other stuff. All right, so I think we're we're at the end of our time. Anybody want to say anything final? Any thoughts uh, before we before we end? No, no, just a great great piece by Mike uh, on on the Google local e-commerce uh, play. So if you haven't read it, check it out uh, nearmedia.co. It's the, the featured article on our homepage. And I'll and I'll add that uh, we we're we're interested in your feedback. If you you have any ideas or or comments or recommendations. We're happy to hear them. We've got the email at the bottom of every, every newsletter. All right. Thank you guys. Awesome. And thanks we'll for joining next us next week. Take care.